The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, and entertain. You start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth! You're doing that of your own. That's what makes this country great, and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive! So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe, and your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. And welcome to this uh, Wednesday evening edition, Philosophia Perennis, and the Dahomene Lecture and Chat Room and Teaching Series, exclusively live here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. Tonight is Wednesday, the 2nd of August, 2017, and we will pick up where we left off last time with the discussion of the Homine lecture number 18, since it was so entailed and <clears throat> so detailed, before moving on to lecture number 19, plus we had some technical difficulties, so we missed about a half hour of the discussion anyways. Uh, remember... If you missed any of the previous 17 discussion sessions for the home today, they are all available on my website at mikechurch.com. And if you're listening to this on one of our live streams uh, or one of the relayers out there, uh, stream aggregators, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, you are free to join us on the Data Saver stream. If you just download our app in the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, search for Veritas Talk Radio Network. And you'll find it right there. Okay, without further ado, let us now proceed to the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire, and bring in Brother Andre Marie, who will be our instructor and question-answerer extraordinaire, as he always is. 
Brother, if you would, could you, uh, just for reference, could you throw the note links back up in the chat room when you get a chance? Uh, welcome and good evening. Good evening, Mike. Yes, I will certainly throw the, um, throw the said items up into the chat room. Um, so we'll have the notes and the handouts. Um, so I, I thought that what we would do is start by just generally explaining that there's a difference between these two schools um, that uh, Brother Francis is contrasting and what that difference is. Um, he's talking about volunteerism versus intellectualism okay. in tonight's lecture. So the... the um, I think but both neither of them really would mean what especially intellectualism wouldn't mean in this usage what you would assume it means from the popular parlance. Um, intellectualism isn't you know being an intellectual snob. That's not what he's <laughs> talking about when he says intellectualism um, because when he's, he's using intellectualism in a good sense and he's saying that intellectualism is the right answer to this particular question we're dealing with, over whether there's a primacy to the intellect or a primacy to the will, more specifically, in the uh, on the on the subject of in what does happiness consist? Right. So that's the, that's the passage from the Summa Contra Gentiles that Brother Francis quoted in the lecture that he gave back in the eighties, and that's what. Um, is sort of his launching pad for, for introducing the terms intellectualism and volunteerism. Uh, volunteerism speaks of the primacy of the will. Vo vo and, and there are, you know, you might say orthodox volunteerist schools of philosophy, and then there are really messed up schools of volunteerist uh, philosophy. Among the Orthodox schools, you have the Franciscan school of theology and philosophy tends to be volunteerist in nature because of the emphasis that they put on the will. Um, but the most radical, and I think your friend Andrew Bizad, Bizad, however Bizad. his name, Bizad. I think he could uh, illuminate this for us a, a bit more fully when it comes to Islam, because Islam is something of a radically volunteerist system. And its and its whole outlook, its its philosophy, its especially its morals, and for the for the Muslim, everything is a matter of doing the will of God, doing the will of Allah, and the will of Allah need not be more uh, cogent. It need it need not be something that makes sense. So so. There's a there's this rejection of logos, and and this is what Pope Benedict the Sixteenth got in such trouble for in his speech in Regensburg years ago when he was pope. Um, in the speech in Regensburg, he taught he quoted a, a Byzantine uh, Greek emperor, to, um, one, one of the one of the um, hmm, uh, I'm forgetting the name the family name, but it, one of the one of the prominent Greek emperors who's also a very educated man was critiquing Islam. And he and he called it evil, um, but one of the one of the basis of the basis of his critique was that it rejected the logos, it rejected reason, and in rejecting reason, everything is just reduced to God's will. Well, if you reject reason and accentuate the will, then 
there's a certain arbitrariness in your morality. And it doesn't matter what it is, as long as God commands it, it's good. Even if God commanded the very opposite the day before and said it was bad. So there's your most absolutely uh, radical form of volunteerism that's known. It's, it's fundamentally anti-intellectual. It's extremely irrational. And that is, what, that is the kind of moral system that we have in the Islamic world. And in as much as they have a philosophy at all, uh, that has been uh, part, of their, part of their philosophy. So the, the, um, that's a radical example of volunteerism. Now, no Christian school of uh, philosophy or theology would, would possibly agree with that. Yet, you have some which do believe in emphasizing the primacy of the, the will over the intellect. And what's, what's wrong with that, according to Brother Francis, according to St. Thomas, and, and, and the, uh, sort of the Aristotelian Thomistic kind of thinking, is that you can't love something unless you first know it. And in this whole subject of, in what does human happiness consist, does it consist in something in the will or something in the intellect, St. Thomas goes at some length to prove that because everything, every, every kind of uh, act of the intellect, whether it be love, whether it be desire, whether it be joy or delight is another name for joy, whether it be any of those three things, all of those result from something else. And that something else is possession of the good. And St. Thomas then goes on to show that the possession of the good <clears throat> that we have in beatitude is none other than uh, an intuitive vision of God in the intellect. So that <clears throat> happiness is really, truly something that consists in, in the intellect, not in the will. Now here's where, uh, here's where there's a, there's a, um, it's obviously a very academic point to debate, right? But Brother Francis also didn't want this distinction to be exaggerated as if the intellect and the will are like two completely unrelated parts of man that somehow have to be reconciled. Mm -hmm. They aren't. The, the way that St. Thomas, and we, we went into some detail about this last time, although I can't remember how, how many things got cut off because of the bad connection we had. But um, the, the, uh, the, the, hopefully the, the students who have been with us for, for this course, and especially the ones who were with us before when we were doing uh, Philosophia Perennis and we were in the psychology course, hopefully they will all remember that when we talked about the faculties of brute animals and the faculties of man, mm -hmm. we talked about we contrasted or compared the cognitive faculties and the, the uh, volitional faculties, or rather the appetitive faculties. So on the one side, on the left side of that chart that we gave out, we had the, the cognitive faculties. And these are the faculties by which we know truth. And all, for, for animals, all of the external senses, the five external senses, are part of cognitive faculties. You know by 
sight, by hearing, by smell, by taste, by touch. Even if it's just sense knowledge, which is all that animal, brute animals are capable of. Right. Now, now we have those faculties too. And in us, they are, they are um, knowing faculties that do something higher because they inform our internal senses, which then in, inform our reason. Okay, so they're, they're conjoined to uh, an immortal soul that also has an intellect, okay, that has the, the powers of reason, whereas that doesn't exist in a, in a brute animal. But like your dog, your cat, or any kind of animal has sense knowledge, the, the, those five external senses, and then the four internal senses that are localized in the brain. And that's the cognitive, on the cognitive side. Related to that is on the appetitive side, we have the 11 passions, and, or they're also called appetites. So you see the connection between appetitive and appetite. So when, when the, the, in this case, we're talking about brute animals, so we don't say mind, but when the brain has knowledge, say sense knowledge, then appetition happens. So appetition is consequent upon knowledge, even in the even in the realm of animals. You you uh, you say the word that your dog knows for it's time to have dinner. You know, uh, Fido. If he knows what dinner means, Fido. he's going to start salivating. <laughs> he's going to start wagging his tail and running towards his din din bowl, and he's going to expect that the nice human has put food in his bowl. Because he's because he's trained to do that, and and because appetition follows upon cognition. You might make a bumper sticker that says that appetition Appet follows cognition. That's a good so one. So the the cognition happens first. So you know, uh, and, and this this happens to, to be with all of the all of the passions. Take fear. So when the you remember, Brother Francis was always. Uh, marveling over the capacity of a rabbit to fear. <laughs> so you see the rabbit, and we, around here we have jackrabbits. You see the jackrabbit running around the woods, and let's say he sees a dog or some other animal that's bigger than him that constitutes a threat. Well, he just bolts the other direction. But he didn't know, to, so, so he had fear. I mean, because he fears that animal that can harm him, um, he, he, he goes the other direction. But what made him fear? Well, his his sight, or perhaps even his hearing, informed him of danger in the form of this other animal, this dangerous animal to him, um, and 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 then he had you know that appetition followed upon the cognition of the thing, and it, it goes. It, it, you can take all of the all of the uh, external senses, and you can take all of the um, passions. And you could sort of line them up and show how, inevitably, appetition is going to follow cognition. It's the same when you, when you go up that chart into the highest faculties of man, which are his faculties of reason, namely intellect and will. The, what, what, the, what the intellect is, the, in, the intellect relates more to the external senses and the will relates more to the passions, meaning that 
of the highest faculties of man, the cognitive faculty is the intellect or the understanding, it's also called, and the, uh, the appetitive faculty is the will. And in, in, in that highest, those highest faculties of man, the same rule applies as applies in those lower faculties. Appetition follows cognition. So, for instance, and I, you've probably heard me say this before, I say it all the time when we're talking about this subject, in his famous book on the Trinity, De Trinitate, St. Augustine says, I cannot love that which I do not know. And uh, what, what, is, what does that mean? Well, I mean, he's talking in terms of the Trinity here. He's, he's talking about, well, he's talking about the internal life of the Trinity. But the fact is, you cannot love something unless you know it. And it's the knowledge of the thing, uh, if it is indeed lovable, that makes the will love the thing. There's the, there's the, um, there's the relation between the two. And I, it, 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 you can see the danger that voluntarism is inevitably, inevitably going to present that it can become irrational. Because when the will leads the intellect, then you can get something like the will to power of Nietzsche. Or then you can get something like something that's utterly arbitrary. By the way, the word arbitrary coincidentally comes from the Latin word for will. There are two Latin words for will. One of them is uh, uh, voluntas, but the other one is arbitrium. When you're talking about the faculty that it is in, it, as it is in the human makeup, it's arbitrium. So it seems utterly arbitrary in, in, in the sense of random if the will were to be leading the intellect around. You have to have that conformity of the mind to reality first, that truth, before you can have the knowledge of the good. You have, to, you have to know truth, and you have to know that something is good before the appetite of the intellect, which is the will, moves out towards the good. So hopefully I made that clear. This is the Philosophy of Prentice Live Classroom and Chat Room. You're listening to Brother Andre Marie. I'm your uh, co-host, Mike Church, and we are live here every Wednesday night. We're covering the lectures of Brother Francis Malouf from 1987 uh, called uh, Dehomene, uh, or on the subject of Dehomene, which in Latin translated means about man. And we are uh, covering lecture number 18 of 31 tonight. Uh, if you uh, missed any of the previous episodes, you can download our discussion, or discussions as podcast on my website at mikechurch.com. Just look for the the uh, Philosophy of Perennis link uh, on the uh, homepage under the Catholicism tab. And uh, also, if you'd like to pick up the lecture series, it's easy to do. Just go to uh, Brother Andre Marie's site. Uh, that is Catholicism.org. And if you search in the store there and amongst the uh, the MP3s and downloads, you'll find all the Brother Francis lecture series, including this one, and the lecture series on uh, the philosophy of Perennis in eight parts, which we highly recommend that everyone should take. Uh, we also have the Crusade Channel discount, and if you're interested in purchasing those uh, lectures as downloads, all one need do 
is reach out to Brother Andre, and he's hiding in plain sight on the World Wide Web. On Twitter, he's at Brother Andre, and on Facebook, he's Brother Andre Marie, and uh, via email, he's BAM, B-A-M, at Catholicism.org. And soon, we'll make him really easy to find, he'll be BAM at CrusadeChannel.com. Uh, brother, what is on tonight's award-winning, star-studded episode of Reconquest? <laughs> you keep multiplying the adjectives for this. Um, <laughs> Your accolades uh, continue to grow. It's another solo show. Uh, next week I'm going to have a guest, by the way, but it's a solo show. It's an unexpected apologetics show, and it's called Sola Scriptura. That is. <laughs> that is uh, unexpected. And uh, uh, you'll uh, so you'll be by yourself, and this is episode, what, 80, 82? 87. Like I said, I keep forgetting that I was that we were off for four weeks. Yeah, well, you know what, two and a seven kind of look alike when you, you know, they're almost identical. <laughs> uh, and what, yeah, so, so it's going to be on, you know, the the, the the Bible only versus the the, the Catholic two twofold rule of faith. Now, uh, while we have the chance, why don't we promote just for a moment since it's coming up the annuals St. Benedict Center Conference. Well, hey, that's a great idea. We, we will have the conference. It is in October of this year, 2017, year of our Lord. And the, it's, it's two days. It's a Friday, Saturday, October 6th and 7th. And the theme of the conference is A Worldview in the Light of Fatima. And um, the guest lineup, or the, rather the speaker's lineup, is not yet complete, but it's almost complete and it includes, of course, Mike, uh, yourself and myself, <laughs> as well as uh, our sister Maria Filomena. It's going to have Gary Potter, who's got a, a, a book upcoming very soon on the, on the kingship of Christ. It's called As It Is in Heaven. And it's also going to have Charles Coulomb, uh, yeah. an, an author of many books, including a History of the Papal's Wobs and an, an Entire History of the Popes called Vickers of Christ, uh, and he also wrote an American history book um, called Puritan's Progress, and um, he's going to be um, speaking, and uh, let's see, I, did I, I mentioned Gary Potter, um, and then Joe Doyle, our, our um, expert on all things Irish. I was going to say, uh, resident historian with a... Um, with a memory that is encyclopedic in nature. Yeah, the man is, he has been called a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> and he is, he is, once he starts talking, the man can speak while he's inhaling. Um, so he doesn't really stop talking and he doesn't have to like look at notes. He just, whatever his topic is, he just gets up and starts um, talking truth. <laughs> And, it, and he's also very engaging, too. And he's charming in the way that the old-fashioned Boston Irishmen uh, are charming. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it's a dying breed, so it's really good to have Joe, although he's an endangered species, uh, a, a faithful Boston Catholic Irishman um, on, our, on our program. We're always happy to have him. 
Yes, and uh, uh, Charles Coloma is a uh, is a, uh, a great MC, and the scenery at that time of year is always uh, well. I should say always <laughs> should be nice up in uh, New Hampshire if you're a fan of the foliage, uh, brother. Before we get back to our discussion on Dahomey, I just wanted to mention. I was uh, 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 I I went back to the beginning of uh, Philosophia Pedenis. Uh, I shouldn't say the beginning. I started again uh, with lecture number one in cosmology, and I'm almost finished now. And in lecture number thirteen in cosmology, those of you that have it, uh, especially those of you that are going to the Saint Benedict Center conference or are uh, owners of books from uh, Loretto Press, Brother Francis actually calls on Doug Bershaw. Yeah, that's right. He was there. He's been there that long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a fixture around this joint. (laughs) I I had to rewind the tape. I said, "Did he say Doug Bershaw?" (laughs) Rewound it back, and that's what he said. So uh, Doug, of course, uh, has been a a guest several times on Reconquest, and is a yearly attendee uh, uh, at the conference. And of course, is the host of the world famous. Saturday night post St. Benedict conference, scotch and bourbon and cigar throwdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's definitely a conference highlight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to Dahomey lecture number eighteen, brother. So, brother Francis, uh, in in trying to help us reason out what it is that uh, that, that how how it is that there's really a precedent precedence. Uh, to the to the intellect and not to the will, talking about it in relation to beatitude, he, he makes three observations of his own, and they're all in, they're all in terms of rhetorical questions, and they're all kind of funny. He came up with these himself. He did not get this from Saint Thomas. The first question he asks is: Is the goodness of God, is it rather the goodness of God that makes us love Him, or is it our love of Him that makes Him good? <laughs> So if there was a primacy to the will, then we would love him whether or not he was good. But we love him because he's good. It's the goodness of God revealed to the will that gives our, rather it's the goodness of God revealed to the intellect known to to a rational mind that draws the will to love him. I cannot love that which I don't know. So once you know God, you know his goodness, then the will is drawn to love him. We don't, he isn't good because we love him, then that would make God just sort of of an amplification of our own minds. And that's blasphemous. But he's, he's lovable we, we, he's lovable in himself, and that's a truth, and that's a truth that we know, and we see that goodness, then we love. Okay, so there's the, there's the primacy of the intellect. Again, appetition follows cognition. So number two, the second rhetorical question Brother came up with was, is the ecstasy that we have when we see God something objective and makes us forever full of joy? Or is it our goodwill that is the important thing? Uh, again, the ecstasy is it's something objective. It, the, the, the delight that's experienced in the will that's part of heavenly beatitude 
is based upon truth. It's based upon a reality that's present. And when we know the reality, then we're drawn to love it. And then the third one is kind of funny. He, brings it, he, he, he makes a comparison to romantic love. And, of course, anybody that was ever uh, in love is going to understand it right away. Would, would a girl like to hear, quote, it's my love that makes you beautiful, or it's your beauty that makes me love you? So a girl obviously would like to hear, <laughs> of course this is rhetorical in nature, a girl would like to hear that the guy loves her because she's beautiful. Right. And of course that's generally, I mean, and whether we're talking about external beauty or moral beauty, huh? Um, the beauty that's internal in somebody makes a person a beautiful person. But whether or not, whichever beauty you're talking, uh, either or or both, uh, it's it's the beauty that makes the person lovable. It's not you're loving the person that makes the person beautiful. Now, the funny thing is, in God, it works a different way. Because when God loves some someone that's intrinsically unlovable, God's love has a creative power. God's love in the in the in the person of the Holy Ghost actually transforms someone that's unlovable into someone that's lovable. And there that's different. But my love can't do that. I don't my I'm not God. I, I'm not the creator. I don't have the power to create natures or to recreate by grace. God has that power. So God's love is actually efficacious in the sense that it makes things and it can you know when when god saint paul says that that he loved us while we were yet sinners and god's power in his love makes us lovable but no mortal has that kind of power to make someone lovable because we love him now there's a there's a way that charity can work when we're being kind and showing charity to somebody, we can help to dispose that person to moral goodness and to good influences and so forth. But it's not the same thing. That's a, that's a question of influence. It's not a question of the ontological order of actually getting in somebody and recreating him. I hope I'm not getting too abstract here with this explanation. Well, I don't think there's any way... It's important to note that God's will works differently than ours. Yeah, I don't think there's any way to discuss some of these things without getting kind of abstract. <laughs> so, some of them uh, lend themselves to um, to abstractness because it's philosophy, after all, and you do have to contemplate and uh, meditate from time to time and then absorb some of these things. Uh, you, you're not always going to get it, uh, brother. It, it's not like learning two plus two. No, <laughs> and, and definitely not. And and Brother Francis has this. Um, I guess I want to say this. Uh, this very well calculated way of teaching that is brilliantly circular, and you just you never realize it. <laughs> 
It never occurs to you that it's circular. When I say circular, he has a way of uh, of going back to something that he covered and referencing it again and kind of giving you a, a soft explanation, almost in passing, but continuing on. So you go, oh, yeah, oh, that's what that means. Uh, and, and he doesn't stop. He just keeps going and going and going and going. And uh, the whole while, you know, you have this learning arc that are things that, that, that yeah. you're learning. But uh, it's, sort one, of, it's sort of the Semitic uh, cyclical way of doing things. Yeah, well, and, don't and forget it, he was a Semite, right? And it <laughs> builds; it builds on itself. So yeah. you know, you build. He's building a foundation the whole time, and um, <laughs> I guess when you, when we get to the end, you are now all philosophers. Now go out and think. <laughs> <laughs> Ready, set, think. <laughs> Go do some thinking. <laughs> now, 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 when we talk about this, when we talk about this connection that exists between uh, the faculties, between the intellect and the will, and between the acts of the intellect, namely loving or knowing, and then the acts of the will, which would be threefold, mm-hmm. which would be desire, love, and delight. There is a connection, and we don't want to make it sound like we're, we're intellectualists in the sense that we don't believe that the will has a place. Once we, once we confess and admit that there's a primacy to the intellect, when the, when, when the process has happened, when the knowledge has happened, and the will then engages, then you have the delight, which is sort of the overflow of the, of the knowledge. So, so... When the when in, in heavenly beatitude, and and that's what Saint Thomas is talking about, in heavenly beatitude, it's 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 the intellect that possesses the object of the beatitude. It's the intellect that possesses the object of happiness, because it grasps truth. It has the vision of God, and it is a vision, as Brother Francis says, that's that's unitive in nature. It's not just seeing something like observing it. It's a it's a vision that is that by by which the seer is taken into the scene. And once you have that, then the will engages, and the 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 what is known is 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 loved. But what is known, since it's possessed, is also enjoyed, and there is delight in the will. So it's not as if the will doesn't have a role in any of this stuff. No, it has an enormous role. But the question is, does does happiness consist essentially in the will or in the intellect? And Brother Francis, in, with St. Thomas, answers, it consists essentially in the intellect, because that is the faculty of man which grasps truth, and that is the faculty of man which possesses the beatific vision. And then the will, as it were, secondarily, um, is is overflowed with uh, delight. So the delight is going to be there in eternity. And and so so we can speak of an uh, of, a, of an unspeakable joy that the saints have in heaven that that is part of a heavenly beatitude, but it is not it, it is it is a result not a cause. This is the Philosophia Podenis live classroom and chat room here on the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. 
Remember, we're at this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you can always listen to the Crusade Channel and uh, the original programming that we have on it that's dedicated to the good, the true, and, uh, and the beautiful, and sometimes the obscure, and sometimes the conspiratorial. <laughs> it's all good. Uh. Uh, but it's all good. Uh, you can download our apps in the Google Play Store and in the iTunes Store. Uh, for the iPhone and for the iPad. And uh, also, we're always live at crusadechannel.com. And there's that listen button at the top of the page. Crusade Channel website's undergoing some uh, uh, much-needed streamlining and uh, improvement. And during the month of August, you can, uh, if you're not a Founders Past member, why not join? And we'll give you a copy of the book that I edited and brought uh, brought out of the ash bed of history and revived it to life, Humility of Heart. Get a digital copy uh, uh, with your yearly paid membership. That's a $20 value. And you get to subscribe at this year's rate before the rate increases uh, go up in September. So an all-around good deal. Check us out at Crusade Channel. Dot com. Uh, quickly, brother, I, I thought that for the Philosophy of Pedentist Live classroom and chat room, I would uh, like to make some kind of a quasi really big uh, announcement. Take about a, 40 seconds, if you don't mind. Go right ahead. Uh, I learned today that after over a year of applications and effort, that the Veritas Radio Network will uh, has been granted the uh, the permission and has been given the uh, permission codes in the development software that will enable us to port a version of the Veritas Radio uh, Talk Radio Network app for what is known as Apple CarPlay. Uh, some of you may have this, and those of you that seen it, you know how uber cool awesome it is. It is future of of radio and audio in uh, in all automobiles. If you were around in two thousand five and six, uh, you would have seen the first models that would have come off assembly lines of American and uh, Japanese made cars and, and Germans uh, that would have had built in satellite radios in them, and there weren't very many. Well, in this year, 2018, you'll see the first cars come off the assembly line that will have Apple CarPlay radio built right into the head unit. So uh, all that is required then, brother, is if you have an iPhone, if you plug it in to the, uh, to the USB jack on, uh, in, in, the, in the car, your display will basically be the car display, and you'll have touchscreen access to the Veritas uh, Talk Radio Network app. Um, there aren't very many apps that have been granted permission to go ahead and proceed for this development. So uh, it's a huge, big win-win, and we'll get it ported for the, uh, uh, for the, uh, the Apple CarPlay system as soon as is humanly possible. As a matter of fact, I sent the, I sent the signed application off today. All I have to do is wait and get the, uh, the permission codes to start uh, developing it. And as soon as it's ready, for those of you that have CarPlay, uh, and if you've seen how, how uber uh, effective and cool it is, uh, you will have our app, and you'll be able to use it just like you can use iHeartRadio, Pandora, SiriusXM, Spotify, and uh, TuneIn, all the, uh, all the big players. So you can use all those things in your car now? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. If you have the Apple Car or whatever, what's it called? Apple what? CarPlay. Okay. It's got capital C, capital P, one word. CarPlay. 
And uh, what it basically does it uh, now the way that the those radios currently work is uh, they will use your phone basically as a mobile hotspot. So you turn you turn personal hotspot on on your phone, and it basically uses your phone as an antenna, if you will. No different than when satellite radio first came out, and you had a receiver in the trunk. And you had to connect it to the radio. I mean, the the, uh, the uh, it's amazing that the evolution of this is uh, pretty much the same as it was when I started with satellite radio. It's kind of fun and cool to see, too. Uh, but eventually, there will be little cards that will be built into your uh, into the, uh, the phones or into the uh, radios in your car. And many of them already have them. And that's how you can make phone calls. Uh, with built-in little uh, speakers or, or microphones in the roof of your car near where your uh, your pull-down visor is. That's how that works. So, yeah, uh, it is. It, it's currently it could, it'll come from your phone, but eventually it'll all be built right in. That's the future. So radio is moving digitally. Now, this is already happening in the U.K. In Europe, they're already doing this. So uh, it's a big deal, and um, we are... Uh, uh, I think deservedly excited that uh, uh, for such a small minor player that our app will be right there alongside. Uh, there can't be but maybe a half a, do- a, a, a dozen or two dozen audio radio apps that have been uh, given permission to be part of the CarPlay project. So it's really cool. It's really big. Great, great. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I hope I hope it, uh, it 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 makes us go to the next level, as it were, getting <laughs> getting the, the getting the truth out to more people. Well, that's the goal, and we'll continue to push and promote. And that's why we have these live shows here on Wednesday night, which we provide as a service. Uh, brother has not moved into a marble, uh, marble Italian marble clad kitchen uh, 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 condo just yet. So and neither have I. So we can't possibly be doing this for the money. No, I'm still working on my ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's kind of a joke. I knew a priest years ago who said, "If if I were in this for the money, I think I'd I think I'd have quit a long time ago because I'm no good at it." <laughs> well, uh, I, I think I, I I think I join you now. Uh, where are we in the Holiday Lecture Number Eighteen now? Okay, so. Brother Francis quotes uh, uh, an utterance from St. Thomas. This this one's not from the Summa Contra Gentiles, it's from the Summa Theologica. And he gives it in Latin, Contemplatio promititor nobis actionum omnium finis, aque eterna perfectio gaudiorum, which means that contemplation promised us is the end of all our actions and the everlasting perfection of all our joys. Now, if I were to ask, and, and I'm going to ask for replies in the chat room, if I were to ask the question, is contemplation an act of the intellect or an act of the will, how would y'all answer? It's an important question. Is contemplation in the intellect or is contemplation in the will? And the reason that the question is very important is because if you answer it wrong, then you haven't been listening to everything that we said before um, Mike Church gave the CarPlay commercial for Veritas <laughs> Radio Network. So I haven't seen anybody. I know there's a little bit of a lag between the actual radio and the and the um, and the chat room, but um, I haven't seen one yet. And I think we've gotten over the lag time. 
Uh, Mike, you want to venture a guess? So is contemplation in the intellect or is it in the will? Yeah, that's the question. Well, uh, I wasn't paying attention, but I'm going to go. <laughs> I must not have been because I'm going, wait a minute. I know I heard this. Uh, I, I'm going to go with it's in the intellect. Correct. And, and just as you were saying this, Craig Silverman said the exact same thing. Uh, so yeah, y'all, y'all each get a, uh, y'all each get a bozo button. Very good. <laughs> now, now so, brother, let me interject something. I wanted to ask you this anyways. So, uh, this, and this is kind of related, uh, and maybe it makes it relational. So the big news today is that this company in Wisconsin began the process of injecting these, uh, these, these wicked RFID chips in their employees' hands, right? So that no, I, I, I missed that, thank God. Uh, well, uh, so that they can uh, open doors without having to touch the door and uh, order snacks from a snack machine that has a scanner in it without having to uh, actually fork over any money. It's, it's the beginning of the cyborg. And, of course, the usual suspects are out there promoting this as, well, finally, man is now going to start melding with machine. And eventually... Yeah, Elon Musk and all those guys. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And eventually this is going uh, to, to result in... Uh, man's knowledge and his uh, his his intellect soaring to the roof because he's going to be able to have direct interface with his brain and an electronic uh, um, processor attached to the uh, the internet or a computer or, or a hard drive or files or whatever. And I made the comment that well, that's all fine and dandy, but knowledge comes to us from our five senses almost all the knowledge that we have we get from our senses and if you're going to start pumping knowledge in that's normally gained through the five senses without it going through a sense uh i have no idea how the mind is going to be able to process that or whether it'll be whether it'll have any meaning well what they would essentially be doing is this now now this is an this is an interesting question i mean it's a horror that they're even thinking of this nonsense but, but if we could explain it in terms of what we've already studied in Dehomine and then prior to that in, um, in, in philosophical psychology, right. what they're doing is they're short-circuiting the external senses and they're going directly to the internal senses. So, for instance, I, I don't know this thing about chips, but I know that Elon Musk and especially those, those, those lunatics at Google have been talking about nanobot technology, and they're talking about sticking nanobots in your bloodstream and having them go into your brain and function in your brain. What they would be doing is interfacing with your brain so that using the nanobot technology, your brain would be accessing knowledge that's in, in the cloud. Uh, or, as you say, on a hard drive, anywhere. I mean, the cloud just means it can access the Internet and it can access anything that's on the Internet. Sure. So you're essentially you're bypassing your 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 laptop or your or your smartphone or your iPad or tablet or whatever. So it would be on it would be absolutely impossible for any technology to get knowledge into the mind if it didn't go through the portal of the senses. But in theory and I, and I am. I do not have the anatomical knowledge. I do not have the biological knowledge, and neither do these guys yet. Nobody's got it yet. Good. To to say how you can stick knowledge into the internal senses directly while bypassing the external senses. That's essentially what they're doing. So if somehow you can get 
electrochemical senses through the nerves into the brain without it going through the sight, the sight, the hearing, the taste, the smell, the touch. You would essentially be bypassing the external senses and, and hitting the brain directly. Now, the brain is the locus of the internal senses, but it's not your mind. There's no way they could hook up their stupid little nanobots directly to the human mind because the mind is super organic. It's not, it's not material. But, of course, these bozos don't understand that. So that's what, and that's what my point was. Uh, and it, but it, but but my my contention is, and I'm, I'm assuming you would agree with me here. It's all speculative, but my contention is that that if they actually succeeded in bypassing the external senses and to put knowledge directly into the internal senses, that would be extremely dangerous and highly damaging. They would be messing with. The, 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 the fundamental structure of the human person, and they would be messing with the fundamental modus operandi by which we, we know truth. And God, God spare us, who's going to have, who's going to be able to put, you're going to get garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> and who's going to be putting the garbage in? You're going to have evil people in the government or even, I mean, you talked about conspiracy before. Holy cow, this is a ripe field for conspiracy theory. Well, and who, and who gets to activate the nanobots and say what goes in and what goes that's out? That's right. And then the other, the, uh, the other part of it is, and you pointed this out, brother, they don't, no one knows whether or not your mind, your brain is going to accept the electronic impulse. Now, yeah. And they say, well, you know, you can touch a nerve with a, you know, an electric in, uh, impulse, and you can make a, fro a, 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 a paralyzed frog. You can make his leg vibrate up and down. Okay, you're running a current through living tissue. You're you're moving. You, you're not changing the substantial form, but you're basically attempting to alter it. That's a far cry different. Then from entering the mind, which no one knows, no one understands how the mind works. I tell you what is even more frightening is that these Frankenstein monster creators also have completely rejected the um, uh, uh, the, the intellect um, as a spiritual entity. All all that's happening in your in, inside the skull is going. All all that you are doing that's called thinking is going on inside your skull. There is and, no that, and, and that's why I said these bozos don't think that the mind is super organic. The mind is a spiritual faculty. It's, it's over and above matter, and it's not limited to matter. Yet, yet in the human uh, uh, composites, we need both matter and form. We have, we have both the super organic and the organic faculties. But, but what they can do, I, I don't think they could actually get this stuff to work. But what they could do in the meantime is a whole lot of damage, and yet more, um, yet more psychopathology is inevitably going to flow from this, because they're going to mess people up, just as they're messing people up by in this whole um, transsexual movement or whatever you call it, transgenderism, whatever they call it. Um, all of this is just sort of. Um, uh, popularizing and accelerating uh, deep-seated psychopathologies. And when they start sticking nanobots in people's brains, it's going to be a horror movie. It's going to be, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a, a dystopia. 
Well, or rather, I should say, it's going to be just a—it's just going to be a sequel to the ongoing dystopic series that we're already living through. Well, uh, shocking as it may sound, they are endeavoring to make it more dystopic. Brother, we got about three minutes left. Let's wrap up Dahomey uh, eighteen. Okay, so so let let's go back to what brother what brother Francis said about contemplation. Contemplation, as as Craig Silverman, Aaron Carroll, and you, Mike Church, correctly answered, contemplation is in the intellect. So contemplation is in the intellect. In this life, contemplation is, as it were, the vision of truth. We contemplate truth. We we know the truth, but contemplation isn't mere knowledge. It's it's a a. a Brother Francis one time explained contemplation to me as. You're, you're, as it were, seized by the object that you know, and you're rendered in a state that's more passive. Yes, it's you're never you're never inactive in this knowing process, but there's there's it's as if the object is acting more on you than you are acting on it. That's contemplation. That takes place in the intellect. So, Brother, Fra- or Brother St. Thomas's huge emphasis, because of his uh, uh, considered a- opinion and convictions on the primacy of the intellect over the will, he spoke a lot about contemplation. And contemplation is in what happiness consists. And guess what? Aristotle said that, too. Happiness consists in contemplation of truth. By the way, Brother, have you ever read, uh, read uh, Pierre Menent? Uh, I know the name, but I can't think of anything that I've ever read by him. Well, because he has a book out that came out in 1998, and uh, it's called The City of Man. And he uh, basically uh, takes St. Augustine's City of God and says that the moderns, uh, it was their actual project by intent to turn the City of God into the City of Man. You mentioned uh, something to that effect that just uh, jogged my memory, because Chris Ferrara and I are working on a... Uh, radio show version of Liberty the God that failed. Uh, brother, we got about uh, da, 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 a minute and a half to go. Okay, so if contemplation is something that's in the intellect, in this life, if and in this and in this life, if we can have contemplation, then the will can have joy and delight in truth also in this life. So the while we're talking about the beatific vision and the ultimate experience of, of happiness will be in the intellect in beatitude, we get a foretaste of that here. Even by, Brother Francis talked about the artistic experience, experiencing the beauty of music or art as being something which is a bit of a foretaste of, of heaven. It's sort of an, al- a, 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 an allegory, as it were, of what we're going to have in heaven. That you 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 know the good, you see the beauty of it, and the the will then overflows with delight. That's what's experienced in beatitude. You only get the delight when you have the contemplation, and the contemplation's in the intellect. So we have uh, just under a minute to go. This is the Philosophia Prodenis live classroom and chat room to home and a lecture number 18. We'll uh, pick up uh, next week with number 19. Brother, since I've listened to number 19, I actually think that next week we can probably knock out 19 and 20. Uh, okay, if you want to, yeah, if you want to do that, I, I, I'll, we'll give it a go. It's a short lecture, and there's not a lot. Uh, there, there might be 20 minutes of uh, Brother's discussion 
on some St. Thomas. Um, um, it, 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 brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> had a lot of brevity in it. Uh, so I think that we could probably do 19 and 20 uh, next week. So uh, students, be prepared for that. A uh, brand new episode of Reconquest is coming up in uh, just about uh, a little over a minute. I, I misread my clock there. And uh, you can listen to that. If you missed any of the previous episodes of Reconquest, you can find them all at crusadechannel.com. And also, uh, just another reminder that the St. Benedict Conference is the first weekend in October. I will be making the trek up to, uh, to New Hampshire. And so some of the, I'm sure some of the uh, names that you will recognize from the Philosophia Perennis live classroom and chat room will uh, also be in attendance. And of course, Brother Andre Marie will as well. If you go to Catholicism.org, you'll be able to find out all the info about the, uh, about the tickets and about attending. And uh, I will get it up as an event on my page as well. Uh, Brother? I think we covered uh, lecture number 18. I'll see you next week for number 19 and looking forward to, to tonight's reconquest. All right. Thanks, Mike. God bless you. God bless you, too, folks. This is Mike Church here saying uh, so long. We'll see you next week. Or actually, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Eastern for the next edition, live edition of the Mike Church Show tomorrow right here on the Crusade Channel. Have a good evening. May God bless you and Mary keep you. Mm -hmm.